Hey, what's up? It's Jacques Lamour from Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast and Bangerang Radio. I have a dear friend of mine. His name is Kev Wright. He lives in the Chicagoland area, and he's a musician, and he's also a music teacher. And he's currently looking for new students of all skill levels, from beginners to seasoned players, I guess is the term you could use, right? So he teaches guitar ukulele, drums, harmonica, even does songwriting and music production, individual lessons, and the comfort of your own home. He will come to you. He's located actually in Joliet, Illinois, of the Chicagoland area. So anywhere in the greater Chicagoland area, he will come to you. He has over 15 years of teaching experience and 45 years of performance experience as well. I personally vouch for Kev Wright's good character at teaching you how to properly play your instrument. So, if you're interested in getting music lessons from Kev Wright, you can give him a call today, 815-245-8605. That, again, is 815-245-8605. Or you can email Kev at kevallwright at gmail.com. So that's K-E-V-A-L-L-W-R-I-G-H-T at gmail.com. And if you call or email him today, tell him that Jacques Lamour from Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast is uh, where you heard about this. He is going to give you your first lesson free. So call my friend Kev today. As I said, I personally vouch for his good character. 815-245-8605. Bangarang Radio, Bangarang Radio, BangarangRadio.com. In three, two, one. Press play. Ooh. Let's get decadent. I'm going out. I gotta go. I'll bang a ring on the radio. So turn it up. I'm telling you. I think I'm ready for something new. Hey, hello. It's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello. It's nice to meet you. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. You're listening to Pop Pumpkin Pizza on Bangarang Radio. What is going on? It's been a hot minute, huh? I apologize for it being so long since we've talked seriously. I didn't put out an episode last month just because, well, I'll be honest with you. It's not just the fact, it's something I always say on the show, is that my life is crazy. And it is. I've got a lot going on. But it's also the fact that I am terrible with time management. And that's something I've been trying to work super, super hard on lately. So I apologize that there was no episode last month of Pop Punk and Pizza. But the important thing is, we have one now. My name is Jacques Lamour, by the way. If this is your first time tuning into the podcast, thank you so much. And you picked a perfect time to listen because I am really excited about today's show. Now, I could tell you about all the different things I've had going on in the last couple months, but I would rather just cut it short and just kind of get to things, you know, get to today's show. I will introduce our guest, though. Our special guest is going to be Howie Spangler, singer-songwriter, lead vocalist, and also guitarist of an awesome, awesome band off to the East Coast called Ballyhoo. You may have heard of Ballyhoo. They've been around for quite a long time. I got the pleasure of seeing them when they were on tour with Real Big Fish last fall in 2018, and I it was the se- technically the second time I had seen them. 
and this time was different than the first time because I got to catch their whole set and just kind of get more into the the music and I just I fell in love with them of course. Now Howie also has a podcast called Tales Behind the Green Room or Tales from the Green Room. My apologies, Howie. Um and that's another great podcast that you should definitely check out after you listen to this interview with Howie. And I was really appreciative of Howie's time because he got very personal with me. He was very open, which is something that you don't always find when you're doing interviews in media. Sometimes people are kind of closed off. And with Howie, he opened up about all kinds of personal struggles, and he just let let the gates open and was easy to talk to. And that's something I very much appreciate. So thank you for that, Howie. So we also have some great music to play for you, by the way. We're going to hear from my friends in a band called Bury Me in Lights out of Chicago, which is the area that I'm based out of. I feel like if I don't play at least one band out of the Chicago area every single podcast, it's a no-no on me. Then we have When Autumn Calls out of Kentucky, then Hang Time from Toronto, Canada as well. So that's what you're going to hear on the podcast. I will also say that since Howie and I had such a long conversation, I am splitting this episode into two two different parts. So this is part one that you're listening to right now, and part two is going to come out next week here on Bangarang Radio. That will be August 6th of 2019, if you're keeping track at home. And this is episode 80. I can't believe I've made it this far, and it's literally all thanks to you. So thank you so much for that. From the bottom of my heart, Thank you for continuing to support this podcast. It, it really does mean the world to me. And I know it means the world to uh, the people that are on the show and the people that get their music played on the show. It means the world to them as well. Now, before we break into the interview with Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo, I want to play a song from their latest record called Detonate came out almost a year ago. It was fall of 2018. And I want to play the first song from that record because Howie talks about this song quite a bit, actually, in this interview. So I I think it's a perfect way to set this up. And then we're going to be taking breaks throughout the interview to listen to the songs or listen to the bands I was telling you about. So if all of a sudden you hear, it just means, it doesn't mean the interview's over. It just means we're going to cut to a music break, all right? <laughs> so don't freak out, okay? So without further ado, Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo. Why can't we just stay inside? Haven't we done enough? Cause I just want to run and hide from all the things I used to love The world is crazy, I wanna burn it all And everybody's calling me, and I wanna turn it off When I was a kid I used to dream And now these days I only wanna scream I don't wanna go, I don't wanna go I thought that you would know by now I'm done with this, don't wanna go 
doing this man i really appreciate it thanks for having me yeah no problem so i first got turned on to ballyhoo i saw you guys briefly at warp tour in 2016 i um, oh, cool you guys were doing the whole tour that year i believe yeah it was brutal it was a hot <laughs> one. that was a hot one i actually burnt my i burnt my scalp that year <laughs> no it was bad um, of course, I didn't have to go through the sun every single day like you did. It was just one day. But yeah, I've never burnt my scalp in my life. And I had I had hair. It was just, I guess I'm just, my hair is thinning out. That must be what it is. Yeah. I mean, that that sun pounds down, dude. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it does. It, it's pretty heavy. It does. And then I, I revisited you guys uh, this last fall when you're on tour with Real Big Fish. And I was like... I forgot about these guys. Like, you know, I had listened to you a little bit off and on, but it uh I was so glad to to revisit Ballyhoo because I forgot that oh yeah, I love this band cuz you know how it is people are always like, "Hey, you should check out this band. You'd really like that band." Or maybe you happen to catch a short set of a band and and uh you forget to go back just because life gets crazy. And um so I was so glad that you guys were there and, um, you know, promoting uh, Detonate, and I freaking love that record, man. Oh, thanks, man. Um, That's a, that was a fun one. Yeah, and it's, it's, um, it's different than, than the records you'd done before. There was, I felt like there was a little more, a little more punk, maybe, on that record. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, probably the heaviest album since Daydreams, uh, from 2011 um it was i say it was a fun one because just the music was it's it's really fun to play live and um the songs just i guess a lot of them feel upbeat but it's kind of the it's also like the therapy record 
for myself. <laughs> yeah, like, there's so much personal. Uh, it sounds like to me very personal stories in that. Yeah, it's it's uh my my dad passed away um in uh, December 2016, so um I was uh. I was in this weird state of mind, you know, for a long time. And, um, it was like the, the previous record was girls and that one was very pop reggae and, uh, kind of heavy on the production, the heaviest we'd ever really done. Um, and it was great. And I, I love listening to the songs when they come on from that record. And I, I'm really proud of it. It's a fun experience. Um, but when we, when it came time to really start writing again for the next, thing um i hadn't written for roughly eight months or so because it was just just wasn't right you know i just didn't feel right and uh by the time it came time to start writing again i wrote i don't want to go and i was sort of venting frustrations of like feeling like uh i was just over all the i don't know kind of like the process in a way like i love i do enjoy it i love it at the end of the day but um like anything else things can get old and you can feel overwhelmed and um I was kind of writing about what it's like just to be in a new city every night and people coming up to you at the merch table and feeling like you have to entertain a little bit. And, uh, you know, sometimes every, not every night, but like some people challenge you, you do you remember me? And like things like that. You're like, dude, there's so many people. <laughs> yeah. You know? yes. And we have like, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like uh, repeat, you know, customers, I guess is the right. word, uh, you know, a lot of, we get a lot of, see a lot of same familiar faces that come to the shows and, um, we get to know a lot of people. Um, but you know, there's just so many people and, uh, it's hard to remember and I'm usually good with faces, but even that gets crazy. And, um, right. just sort of be, and having to do like radio station events and like get up early to drive and like all this, all those kind of weird things that come with this whole thing, mm -hmm. um, which is, it all comes with it. It's all, you know, you sign up for it, but, um, there are, there are moments where it just starts compounding and like, you know, after that year, it was like really tough for me to, to like get through that whole, whole like 2017 was just like the weirdest year ever. Cause my dad died at the very end of 2016. So it was just like this whole thing. And I hadn't felt that way in about 20 years. My, my mom passed away when I was a kid. And, um, so it, all those feelings just came back. I, I it's weird. Like I, I'd never, I hadn't felt that way in 20 years, like just the feeling of like alone. And, and I have a family now and like, you know, it's, I got my own thing going on, but just that feeling of like loneliness and like sadness and darkness, it just was all there. And it started to affect my performance. And, um, you know, we went on that tour with uh, real big fish and, uh, anti-flag in January. It was like, I don't know, like 11 or 12 days after my dad died. So it was like, we couldn't pull out of it. Like, you know, we, we don't have, we don't have fuck you money. We can't just like, <laughs> we can't just get right. out, you know, like, yeah. oh, we're not going to do that tour now. We, we just can't do that. Yeah. And not that we want to do that, but, um, at that moment it's like, I would have done anything to get off of that tour only because I just wasn't in the right mind, you know? Yeah. And so every night it was just, uh, I, I th we've toured with real big fish several times and that one was a little bit weird because probably because of the, the anti-flag thing, like those guys are all great and they're a sick band. Um, but I think a lot of their fans, like they're more heavy and political and we're not like that. And we play like punk reggae Scott and it's just not super heavy and like the, the political overtones, like, like those guys. Yeah. And, uh, the ed, you know, maybe the edge wasn't th quite there and maybe it was going great. I just felt like it wasn't going great. And so every night for seven weeks, I just hated everything, you know, mm, Gosh, that's, that, the that's worst. sort of, 
Yeah, it was really weird. And you just couldn't get out, you know, and like the traveling and all the stuff. And, um, it, you know, it just, it's like I said, it starts to compound and you just feel like, ugh. And, um, so that whole year was like that. And, uh, so all the songs started coming out, you know, and, and I just, what I couldn't write happy pop reggae songs, you know, like for the last record, it mm -hmm. just wasn't right, you know, and I don't like to force anything. Um, it, it's really weird. So detonate happened and our fans just, they went crazy over it. Um, I think after the girls record, they needed something like that. And, uh, you know, it still gets praised. I mean, it's, it's barely been a year since that record came out. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was just, I was still feeling it, I guess. So going back, um, gosh, that's, I, I know that was long winded. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. no, it's okay. First <laughs> of all, I just want to, you know, I definitely want to give my condolences, um, about your, your dad passing away. Uh, that's, oh, that's gotta be thanks, so man. hard to, to deal with, especially on the road. And, you know, especially with, um, you know, you have to work. Like you can't just, like you said, you can't just take off because you're not at that place. And it's not that, I mean, you really don't want to have to do that, but sometimes it's, it's necessary, but when you can't do it, that makes it even worse. And right. I can just, I could just feel you just, you know, describing, talking about that tour, um, you know, with Rubik Fish and Anti-Flag. I remember that tour was in the winter and it was, that, that makes it even worse because Touring in the winter is just, it's rough, you know? Um, yeah. I guess, I guess summer and winter tours, they both have their battles, but I feel like uh, it's just even worse in the winter. Um, so that just, that just had to be terrible to go through. And, and I'm sorry you had to go through that. Um, but what do you think brought you out of, out of, uh, out of all of that? And, and getting to, was it just getting to write it down? Or I'm, I'm sure it was really hard to actually start writing because I'm sure you didn't even feel like doing that. Um, it was, it was, uh, I didn't even really think about it. You know, by the time I started writing again, it was like August of 2017. And um, I didn't really think about writing like that whole time. It was really weird because I always have, you know, I always have like riffs and things in my head. I'm sure that was happening. Um, and maybe I, you know, threw down a couple of voice memos and things like that. Um, that's how I usually like, you know, keep the ideas. But uh, right. it, for the most part, like, I just don't recall like ever even thinking about songwriting or, you know, you sort of like, you just sort of coast on, on what's already there. Mm -hmm. You know, you play the shows and, you know, the tours are booked. You just go play them and you, you've already got this big catalog of songs behind you and, um, there was just no feeling of like, okay, we're going to make new music. You know, it's just, it was, and I'm always excited about making new tunes, you know, but like it, it, even, even now talking about this, like it's hard for me to even get back in that headspace and sort of understand what I was feeling and what I was going through. Cause I'm not there anymore. Like I, it still sucks. I miss my dad. I miss my parents, you know, but like, mm -hmm. obviously, you know, you, you time heals wounds and things like that. But um, it's, it's hard to get back in that headspace and sort of understand where I was. So, um, I guess it was just, I don't know, the, the eight months had passed. I just, I just sort of started feeling it. And, uh, that's when I wrote, I don't want to go. And I was like, and that's the first track on the record. And 
as soon as I listened to the playback, I listened to the song like a hundred times. I was like, man, this is like, it was just MIDI drums and, you know, just demo scratch vocals and things. And, uh, I sat back in my, in my studio. I was just like, man, this is, this is it right here. This is, this is where I would like to take it. Um, so it's like, you don't, you don't force, uh, the songwriting because it just becomes unnatural and, and weird and, can't really get behind it but you can sort of focus your energy and your maybe thought thought process in a certain direction um i like to leave it as open as possible and just let it things come out but you can say you know i'd really like to write like a heavy record like a punk rock record Mm -hmm. but i i think it was more like as much as i thought okay this is the, the direction it was also subliminal like it just it was just happening because that's just the way i was feeling you know and i was just agreeing with everything that i was doing um and so uh i i wrote um bruce wayne which is straight up about you know my parents i, I called it bruce wayne because uh batman has dead parents i have dead parents <laughs> right <laughs> like, yeah i figured um, i think i was i always wondered like listening to that song because i i did not uh you know at, at that point realize that your father had passed away so but now it makes complete sense i knew you were a yeah. batman i knew you were a batman fan <laughs> um who's not a batman fan well you know? that's true <laughs> and if they're not a fan of batman you can't trust them um <laughs> but uh <laughs> but that makes complete sense now yeah, I guess if you don't know the backstory, it's like you don't can't wrap your head around it. But yeah, that one just um it was definitely like inspired by his passing and the thoughts I had, but um I thought of both of them being gone now and I always picture that there's that in that they do in a lot of the comic books whenever they do like the origin stories. Um there's always like a pic of like a full page of Bruce Wayne as a boy on his knees screaming at the sky and his two you know uh tom and martha laying at his feet you know with the pearls scattered across the ground like that that's what that is sort of like where that song came from like that's what i envisioned while i was writing it and i felt like i felt like bruce wayne for losing my my kids but then i felt like batman because Mm -hmm. um i was able to take that you know what was an awful thing and turn it into something positive to help people. And I didn't realize that I was helping anyone until, I don't know, probably, probably like 10 years ago when, I, you know, we really started getting out there mm-hmm. and um, people started coming to me and saying like, dude, you saved my life. And that's the type of shit that I say to my favorite artists. <laughs> you know, I said that to Billy Joe Armstrong once in 2004 when I met him, you know. Oh, like, did you get a you chance to life, meet Billy? Dude. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh. I did. I did. Yeah. They played a uh, Halloween in DC. Um, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was like a month after American idiot came out. And okay. so it was that, that tour. And, uh, my friend worked at a radio station over here and she, we set up a fake, uh, ticket giveaway where like she was giving away tickets all day. And she's like, yeah, just, I text her like, yo, get me into that show. And she's like, Hey, just call in. we'll be like oh hey you're the ninth caller you know that kind of shit um (laughs) oh yeah i know i I know it well yeah yeah so i got the i got two tickets to the show and i got um to go to the uh there was a meet and greet thing that happened earlier in the day with the radio station there at a bar around the corner and so they they came there was like 200 people or something like that oh wow and uh yeah it was a lot and um 
yeah, so we got to watch them kind of interview the guys live, and then there was like time for pictures and things, and I just kind of made my way to the front. I gave uh, I gave Billy like a bag of Ballyhoo stuff, my band. Um, it was like a whatever CD we had back then, like a, this EP, um, and then uh, we had beer koozies. I was like, here's a beer koozie, and Trey's like, beer koozie. Like he like, grabbed it and like shoved his Coors Light into it and started drinking <laughs> out of it. I thought that was cool. Um, yes. And I gave him like a t-shirt because Billy, I gave it to Billy and he's like looking at it. He looks down and he kind of looks like, what's this? And I was like, oh, it's just, you know, it's my band stuff. Like it's no big deal. You don't have to wear it or anything, but uh-huh. you know, whatever. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And I tried to get on stage that night and play, play guitar, but he looked right over me. I thought I, you know, being the tallest guy in the room, would help, but yeah. didn't. <laughs> well, you would think so. You are pretty tall. That <laughs> yeah, was, I'm, uh, I'm like six six. So yeah, that was one of the uh, first maybe. things I noticed. I'm like, damn, he's tall. We'll get back to Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo in just a moment after this quick music break. Enjoy. Hey, this is Robert, Randy, Tim, and Chris from Bury Me in Lights, and you're listening to this coma on the Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast.
I saw you guys this last fall was he kind of looks like Conan O'Brien a little bit too. He had ah. I I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Um, I don't know if I've gotten that one yet. But just I always get just I always get uh, NPH and Tom DeLonge and Ryan Styles. <laughs> okay, okay, I could. I guess I could see that. I don't know. I guess there's Ryan Styles for sure, dude. Oh, oh Ryan God, Styles, yes. Yeah. From yeah. Whose line is it anyway? Yes. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, I, I guess I never thought about about Ryan, but now I could see Ryan too. For some reason, I guess I think it's because I mean I I grew up watching Whose Line Is It Anyway, but um, I also just love Conan O'Brien, so maybe <laughs> maybe that was why. And <laughs> that's that's really funny. I could see that. We have the same sort of like setup i guess yeah you call it so, i don't yeah. i wouldn't say you're like you know dead lookalikes just there's a lot of similar physical features maybe i mean conan mm-hmm. conan's pretty tall i don't know if he's six six but i know he's over six and um, I think he's six five yeah he's he's somewhere somewhere around there but um th- i love him have you heard his podcast you know i haven't yet i really need to get into that it's so hard because um there's just so many podcasts nowadays and it's yeah. hard to, not that I'm like a pioneer and started doing it before everyone else did or anything like that. Um, but, uh, it's just, um, it's hard to find the time, but it is like on my list of podcasts to listen to. I'm sure I would love it. You got to check it out, man. It's like, it's become one of my number ones. Um, I think he's up to like 39 or 38, 39 right now. And, uh, he just, it doesn't matter what guest is on. It's just, it just shows you how quick and how funny he really is. And mm-hmm. he's just like a class act. Like he's, he's like very real. Like he, it's very interesting. I learned a lot about him as a person um, when he talks to these people and he talks about his own insecurities and things. And that there's that documentary Conan can't stop a few years ago mm-hmm. on, I think Netflix. And like, it was just shown how he literally just can't say no to anything. Like, you know, whatever it is, people need a picture, he'll do it. Like if there's some new thing that's, you know, he's asked to do, he'll just do it. You know, like he just can't stop himself because he just loves everything so much. You know, he loves the process. He loves, I don't know, he loves his work. And uh, I'm like the same way of, I've I've been drawing parallels, you know, I just wish I was like as quippy and funny as he is. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that I've wished that almost every day since I've started, um, my broadcasting career i've thought the same thing i'm like oh if only i could be as quick as him or as funny as he is you know but i guess eventually you have to kind of break away from that and just build on your strengths i guess that's yeah that's great advice that's great advice don't don't strive to be someone else you know yeah work with what you've got and and build on that make that better yeah that's kind of what i've that's kind of what i've tried to do just because i know I'm I'm never going to be as funny as Conan, but I can definitely I can definitely learn something. <laughs> Not with from that him, attitude. <laughs> no. Well, you know, it's tough, man. Like you said, <laughs> he's a class act, man. I mean, he he's so funny. Well, I'm going to have to check that out because I would actually love to learn more about him because obviously, you know, watching his late night TV show for so many years, you're you're only going to learn just like a just a little little bit of really about him cuz it's more or less about people he's interviewing and the things that are happening in the world and all that. That's what I love about podcasts is because like the, the late night TV, man, I I grew up on that as well. Like I loved, I was like a Leno fan back in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Not so much after the Conan thing happened, 
I was already, I was a Conan fan as well. Yeah. And it kind of left me a little salty, you know? Oh yeah. Um, and I was, I, I, I did like Letterman. Like he was like, you know, he was definitely the guy as well, but, um, I, I just, for some reason always went to the tonight show. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, that's, what's great about podcasts is because it's so, so free form. And like, as those, those TV shows are so formulaic and structured and put together and you can't really, you can't say what you want exactly. And as funny as he is, you know, um, and he did, he's done a lot of great stuff on his show for, you know, what, 25 years or something like that. Um, but the podcast, like if you're a Conan fan, you're going to love this. Like it's, he's just so more free and like, he's just cussing and like, just, it's great. The things that he's talking about and, and it really just allows him to sort of be, be more, mm-hmm. you know, and just really showcase what he's all about. Um, I don't know. I just, I just enjoy this stuff more. So I, I've been off. Like I don't really watch TV anymore, like at all. Um, so I, I never really catch the late night stuff. I'll catch the clips on YouTube and stuff here and there, but <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the same way. I, I don't really have, I don't have time to watch TV. Everyone at, yeah, uh, you're, you're always working. Yeah, exactly. You're working or you're with family or, and for you, it's the same thing. You know, you're constantly working or when you're not working, you're at home with family because you know, you spend so much time away. So, right. But, um, yeah, I, I feel like a troll down here, like in the dungeon, like I'm here every day <laughs> pulling like 14 to 16 hours, sometimes 18 hours daily, you know, working either on the podcast or the music or someone else's music or something, you know, a writing I'm just, it's crazy, but I'm, I'm constantly interrupted by my kids. Like <laughs> daddy makes, make lunch, daddy, make dinner, you know, all that. <laughs> so how old are your kids? Uh, my son is nine and my daughter's five. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they're definitely very active. <laughs> yeah. They're, uh, it's really good, man. I feel like we've been totally blessed. Like we have like the coolest, like most chill kids. Like they get crazy. I mean, they're kids, but like they're pretty well mannered considering. And, uh, they, they know how to, they, they've grown up with this. Mm-hmm. So they know how to like entertain themselves um, I don't have to be constantly on the floor rolling around with them, mm-hmm. uh, even though that's, even though it's great, but, yeah. um, like they know how to take care of themselves now, you know, especially I mean, even my daughter, like she's, she's grown up like faster than he did. You know, at five, he wasn't really doing the things that she's doing. I've heard that about girls anyway. Like they're just more, I don't know. They like know what they want. <laughs> <laughs> they kind of do. Just, yeah. Yeah. She, she's just really like. She's crazy. It's it's awesome. She's like the best. She's very loving and she's very sensitive and she loves her daddy for sure. But um, my son now is at the age where he's just playing Fortnite every day and doesn't really want to do anything else. <laughs> oh God. Um, and I'm not sure. I, I assume that's normal, but you know we're trying to get him outside and things. He went outside for like 20 minutes today. I was stoked. You know, <laughs> <laughs> 20 minutes. All right, man. Yeah. And everyone else yeah, is looking lucky, at you yeah. like 20 minutes. Like that's not very yeah. long. <laughs> I know. We used to go out. I mean, my mom would kick us out in the morning. We wouldn't come home till dinner time. You know, like five, six o'clock. Yeah. And uh, you know, come up, come back when the lights come on. I mean, it's just not that world anymore. You know, <laughs> no. now it's like all the kids, like all my kids have like, uh, trackers on them and shit. And like, I want to know who they're playing with. And it's yeah. like eighties and nineties parents just didn't give a shit about that. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're right. I, it's funny you bring that up. Cause I remember, 
um, as a kid in the summertime, my mom complained that we were spending too much time inside. And we were like, well, it's hot outside. She's like, well, go out anyway. <laughs> you know, like I remember, <laughs> I remember her kicking us out a couple of times, even though it was super hot outside. I mean, she didn't do it in like a bad way, like, you know, locked no, us out not. completely, but she still like kicked us out of the house and said, do something outside yeah. and quit playing PlayStation, you know? So yeah, she's like, you got to go outside. Yeah. That, that was my mom. <laughs> All right, that's it. You guys are up. She would like open the windows and she was like, my mom was the type like every three months, she just wanted to rearrange the house. She was never happy with anything. Like she, she always wanted to like rearrange and move things around. And uh-huh. uh, she would clean and like, she would just send us outside. Just go, just go. Shoo, shoo, shoo. You know? <laughs> so, so I assume you probably, oh no, she, she shooed you out and didn't want you to help with any of that. Uh, no, I mean, she made us vacuum and, um, you know, do the dishes and things like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, when it was time for we would just be in the way, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it just, I mean, and by the time the band started, I mean, we were either, I guess, doing that. I think, yeah, I think by the time the band started, she she was kind of past all that, like kicking mm-hmm. us out. Because I was, I was 14 when we started the band um, with my brother. And... Uh, we would just be playing in the basement all the time. Um, and so that kind of freed up the house, you know, the, the main floor. Um, but yeah, it was mostly like before that, like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, she's just like out, get out, you know? <laughs> was she supportive of you guys with music and everything? Or was it, or was that kind of a battle too? No, it wasn't a battle. Yeah. She was, she was very supportive. She was very, um, she was very like stoked. And <clears throat> I remember, uh, when I first started playing guitar, it was def. I mean, they put up with a lot. It was like I had this little <laughs> shitty amp, this little crate amp. Oh yes, I would crank it. You know, yeah, remember crates? It's like the first little starter amp. It was like eighty bucks. Saved up my babysitting money to buy it. There you and, go. And um, yeah, so I would crank it, and it was distorted and gross, and um, and I couldn't play that well. You know. Yeah. And and uh, she put up with it. You know, because I, I, I knew she saw that I was really into it. and um, But when when the grades started slipping and the report cards were bad, Uh-oh. like, it was, it was over. Like, the band's done. Like, okay, no more practice, you know, for a month or whatever. And that would obviously bum us out. Um, but, yeah, she would hold to it. You know, we, we'd be grounded from that until, the you know, our... our our test scores were better and things like that. So, um, so did that motivate you to fight that or did you just give in and, and do, you know, the, your homework and get better grades and stuff? I think I was just, I mean, I wasn't, I think middle school, like I was doing mostly A's and B's. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to high school, it just sort of, that ended, I was getting D's and E's, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, it didn't really push me to do better. That's for sure. Um, like I don't, I, I think I came home with a couple of E's and I think Donald came home with a couple of E's and she's like, Oh no, that's no, that's it. Um, but like mom, there's a show, like we got asked to do a show and, uh, you know, we got to do this and you know, I think she would like, let us do it. We had to come back home afterwards. Mm -hmm. Like, um, we, she was around, let's see. Our first show was March 1st. 96 and uh let's see that's three so she died like five almost six months later oh wow um yeah it was yeah it was really weird um but we would practice every day since july 95 we would practice every day after school on the weekends whatever whenever we could 
Um, and, uh, by the time we, we were doing the, doing the shows, I remember it was like the, yeah, it was like April. We were doing the Earth Day Festival at school and, um, it was our last show for like a month or two or something like that because, you know, the grades were bad until school lets out or something like that, you know, like another month, yeah. month and a half. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think that was the last time she saw us play because we were grounded from that. I mean, we could do other stuff. We just couldn't do the band thing. Mm. And I, I think, I guess she, she knew that like that would maybe motivate, she thought that would motivate us, you know, to take us off of that. Um, and I have video somewhere of, uh, when the show was over, we're hanging out and there's like, uh, her fiance has the video camera and he's coming up and he's filming us. And I was like, what'd you think mom? She's like, that was really good. That was really good. You know, she's, she's like, uh, she was going through chemo treatment at the time. And, um, yeah, so that was, that was cool. You know, she was very supportive. She thought it was rad, but when it came to the schoolwork, it was like, no, nah, this, this isn't, you know, you're not going to slip. Yeah. Well, sounds like she knew what she was doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember one morning I, I was, I learned, she asked me to play. She loved the band Heart. Oh yeah. Um, How do I get I think, you alone? <laughs> right? I think they just played here uh, in the Chicago area, like in the last week or so. Nice. I think so. I've never seen them. Yeah, I I, I need to go see them. That that'd be rad. That they're always. I always thought they were a great band. Yeah, um, I think they're on tour with. Is it Joan Jett? I don't know. It's they're doing a tour with another act from that era. I'm trying to. I'm right. Rac- I'm racking my brain on who that is. But but that's besides the point. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I. Uh, she she asked me to play. Um, uh, I think it's crazy. Crazy on you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I know that song. There's an intro on the, on the acoustic guitar to that, mm-hmm. and I think it's, I think it's like a, I think it's a D. I, I can't remember, but like anyway, it's very simple, and I just started doing it, and she's like, she starts spinning around there. She's like, oh, that's so cool. Oh my god, that's awesome. You know, she thought it was so rad that I could play the the song. You know. It was cool. Yeah. You're playing <laughs> something that, that, you know, she grew up with or. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Hey, hope you're enjoying my interview with Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo. We'll get back to Howie in just a few minutes after this. Hey, you all, this is Jacob Kerfoot, lead guitar player from When Autumn Calls. Check out our new song, La La Land, off of our upcoming release. We're hitting the Midwest July 20th and going on tour for 10 days. Come out, let us know if you like the song. Thanks for listening. Different. Cali, would you take me home? I'm afraid. 
in my head again, trying something. But when I look to the shore, it all seems Take me home, I'm afraid Got lost in my head again Trying something Went out into the world Found out the hard way It's tough to feel at home In the bluegrass So I did see um, you went to the – we've been talking about so many things, um, and I love it, um, all over the place. So we were talking about podcasting, and obviously you have a great podcast called Tales from the Green Room. Um, everyone should check that out, by the way, especially if you're a Ballyhoo fan because it's – you know you bring the Ballyhoo life into that plus all the other elements of your life into it. Um, and I know that you recently went to the Blink Show – and you brought your son, who you said is nine, right? Yeah. And Neck Deep is one of his favorite bands. I remember reading that, or maybe I was listening to one of your, maybe I was listening to that Blink podcast that you just did, and I remember you saying that. Um, are you a fan of Neck Deep? Since, I mean, just thinking about that, he's a big fan. Are you into Neck Deep? Um, I definitely would have been, for sure. Uh, when I was younger, um, no, I, I think those guys those guys are good. His, his voice is a little weird for me, just <laughs> honestly. Um, I think I think there's better voices in pop punk, but um, mm-hmm. but the songs are good. I think the song like that song December and like they, they've got good songs and they're tight band. Um, and uh, so I've definitely listened to it in the car with him and stuff. Um, but I think he I think he really likes like the fast drumming, mm-hmm. the drumming and the guitars and stuff. Oh sure. Um, and uh, it sucks because we we missed them. The uh, the traffic was terrible that day, man. It was like we I think we went through like three or four big cells of like thunderstorms. Yeah, like just you'd get through one cell and then you drive like twenty minutes and another one come and it was just the sky was black. It was just awful. Um, it took three and a half hours to get there and it was it's normally a, like it's under two hours. Oh my god! And I gave us three hours, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we were about a half hour late and, uh, we, we were getting there. We heard, they played like two more songs and we were, you know, we were still parking and walking through, you know, up the amphitheater hill and all that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sad we missed it cause I wanted him to check them out, you know, live. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the new, the new pop punk is, is there new pop punk? Like it's, it's, I call it, uh, I, I call really... it, I, what I usually call it on the show is, and I probably sound like an old man saying this, but I call it new wave, you know, like new wave. I mean, yeah. that's, that's just an easy way to put it. You know, it's a new, it's a new era of pop punk. Yeah. It, it's a definitely a new era and the, the sounds are, are different. Um, I guess more modern, I guess you'd say. Um, I remember, see the pop punk that, that I grew up on, 
you might relate with this is, you know, Green Day. Yeah. And all right. That's like, that's my pop-up band. They're, they're, I love that band. They're my favorite band, but like, um, it was like them. And then, you know, Offspring came out that year and exploded. And I, I wasn't a huge Offspring fan, but I loved all this, the radio singles and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember then in the uh, early 2000s when um, Good Charlotte got signed and we saw them play in like early two, early or late, no, I think it was early 2000. Um, right, it was either right when they got signed or right before they got signed. They were opening up for this festival, this radio station thing. And um, I thought they were great. And not long after that, they put that record out, that first record. I was like, oh, this is cool. And I enjoyed it. And that, to me, that that first, even the second record, The Young and the Hopeless, which is an amazing record, um, I, I feel like that was sort of like the last um, kind of 90s sounding pop punk band mm-hmm. in a way. Um, because after that, production became like, the forefront i think like the main concern like the songs weren't that great to me but the production was over the top and crazy and good um i was never really like an like an all-time low fan like um i like a couple of their songs but to me it felt like not as edgy as like the green day stuff yeah like not as raw you know and um it just sort of turned me off and any of that stuff like i, I was never like a big fan of like the emo stuff there's definitely a couple bands that i thought i really enjoy like story of the year oh yeah um and, and the used were great and um bands like that but um i, I just it just sort of took me out of it and even like that third good charlotte record i was kind of over it by then i was like eh, it's getting a little weird and then they got i think the next one was like a dance punk album and i was like man what is what is happening <laughs> like this isn't this is i just was not in enjoying the sounds you know mm-hmm. um i like that shit to be fast and um, it doesn't have to be fast even, but just, I don't know, something edgy and, you know, drum kit, you know, and not necessarily layered up, you know, with like electronic sounds. I don't know. just kind of weird. And that can be great. It can be great, but for the most part, I just wasn't digging it, you know? Yeah. I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Um, it, it definitely, I, I think it's just because it was another generation coming in in the, in the 2000s. Mm-hmm. And also like with Greendale and a lot of those, those first pop punk bands in the nineties, they were coming from scenes that were punk rock scenes. And then, you know, you've got bands like good Charlotte and things like that. They're not necessarily, I mean, I don't know everything about good Charlotte because I mean, I am, I'm like you, I'm a good Charlotte fan, but not like the biggest fan in the world. Um, So I don't know everything, but you know, bands like that weren't necessarily coming from really crazy punk rock communities as it was in the 90s some of them were but not not all of them and and uh yeah i I just think it made it that that's part of it anyway but i definitely see what you're saying because i will list off bands that i'm into when someone younger than me or even the same age um they'll ask me oh well what pop punk bands do you like and i'll list a bunch of older ones because that's pop punk to me and then they'll come back and they'll list a bunch of others that are newer and not necessarily my my favorite you know um or or they'll or once i tell them the bands that i'm into they'll actually call it punk rock so which is weird to me 
mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like the 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 pop punk bands of yesterday are considered punk rock now right. to a degree right yeah i mean the the there's a distinct difference in the sound like i was saying like it's just um like when you get into like the like the john feldman stuff produced stuff like um i i enjoy his production i really do um but uh sometimes the stuff can sound too perfect yeah and too like yeah um and again i, I love all the stuff he produced and i everything. do too um, yeah i love his records. but I, I think i yeah um great stuff um but i think like i don't know like i look the world we live in now I just, it's just sort of it's expected i guess it makes me sound old or something when i talk like this but um <laughs> no no because i think i think what you're saying is important um because it gets to a certain point maybe it kind of takes some of that like you're saying the edge and some of that feeling out yeah there's there's like a it's too like pristine mm-hmm. um when you hear it and uh I, I'm, I love production. I love making my shit sound the best I, that we can. I've, I've had, there, there was somebody that made a comment on Instagram like last year or the year before, something about like, oh, I love Ballyhoo, you know, before they sounded, sounded all pop or something like, something ridiculous. Like, I guess the, the, the earlier records sounded more raw and mm-hmm. real or something. And like, these are like overproduced. Like, I understand that that feeling, but at the same time, it's like I've always wanted our stuff to sound like this. Like that was just because we didn't have enough money, or we couldn't get to the best studios, or yeah, you know, p- people we were working with like maybe uh, weren't as savvy or something in Pro Tools. I don't know, but like, like I've always wanted. Like I'm very happy with. I can't listen to our old stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was actually like, just uh, listening to it the other day. I was listening to to <laughs> to, to uh, three six five. And, um, oh man, yeah, that's a classic, right? There. <laughs> it is. It honestly, I loved it. Um, cause that was the, f- I, I hadn't gone that back, uh, yet in your catalog. And so I did that the other day. I finally got to that album and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And yeah, obviously if you know, that record's from 2000, it's going to sound completely yeah. different. Right. So, yeah, I mean, to make a, a record like detonate, um, back in 2000, I mean that would have easily been fifty, eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, to make a record like that. Yeah, would have been a know? lot of dough. <laughs> yeah. And now, yeah, I mean, there was just no way. I I talk to so many bands and they're just they're programming everything almost, you know. Or yeah, and yeah, MIDI drums and yeah, yeah, everything's right there in front of you. You can manipulate it how you want, mm-hmm. and that's that's the best thing is that the the cost has gone way down, but the quality's gone way up. So this is weird shift in the balance. Yeah. Like, you know, like you can spend a thousand dollars on this mic, this, uh, I got this, the slate ML one, um, with the VMS, uh, set and it turns into, I've, I've got over a hundred thousand dollars in microphones in the, you know, virtual mic locker. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm using like the mic that I used on the girls album uh, was a $30,000 microphone, the, the Telefunken 251. Mm-hmm. And I've got that right here in front of me, you know, for a thousand bucks along with like 20 other mics, yeah. you know? Yeah. And um, so that that's just one facet. So, I mean, you, you could take the money that you would spend at a studio, 10 grand or something, 
take half of that and, and invest in your own gear, you know, find somebody that knows what they're talking about and knows what you would need and go get that. And then you have it and then you can do whatever you want forever. You know, there's no like scheduling issues. There's no like having to drive anywhere crazy. There's no like, like I can do everything I need to do right here, you know? And, and now we've got my, my brother set up at his house. He's our drummer. Um, where his drums are, I went and bought all the same gear that I have um, and put it over to his place. And now he can, we're doing drums at his house and doing everything else at my house. Like it's insane. Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo is one of the coolest guys, isn't he? We're going to get back to our conversation with Howie in just a couple minutes. Hope you enjoy this song. Hey, this is Danny from Hangtime. Check out our song 1000 years ago on the Pop Punk Pizza Podcast.
Time with A Thousand Years Ago on Pop Punk and Pizza Podcast. So that is part one of part two of my conversation with Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo. Special thanks once again to Howie for giving me some of his precious time because he is a busy, busy man, as uh, you've heard me or heard us talk about in our conversation so far. Also, before episode two comes out, do me a favor and check out the bands that we played on the podcast today. Bury Me in Lights out of Chicago, When Autumn Calls out of Kentucky, and Hang Time from Toronto, Canada. And if you're in a band, you want your music played on the show, or you want to get an interview booked or something like that, I do take submissions, all right? So hit me up at bangerangradio at gmail.com. Links to your music. You can send me EP, uh, MP3s or WAV files to whatever works best for you. EPKs and press pages are super, super appreciated. And I just want to apologize in advance if it takes me forever and a day to get back to you. There's some times where I don't get back to bands and for like a month. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm terrible. I really am. And, and that's why I'm saying I'm apologizing now for it. It's something I'm working on. And I'm thinking maybe by the time I'm like 50, I'll be able to actually be better about this whole email thing. So bangerangradio at gmail.com to shoot me those music submissions and interview inquiries. Now, I'm still only putting out new episodes about once a month. So it really may take me a while to get back to you. And if I don't, it doesn't mean that I hate you or that I'm avoiding you. It just means that I'm really bad at that. (laughs) But please uh, don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me there. Also, social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram is all at Pop Punk Pizza Pod. My Twitter handle is on air with JL. And then Bangarang Radio is both Bangarang Radio for Facebook and Twitter. So I hope uh, we can stay connected somehow on social media in some way. Please don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me there as well. So part two with Howie Spangler of Ballyhoo is going to come up August 6th here on bangerangradio.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. And that brings me to my next point. Wherever it is that you listen to this podcast, please give us a good rating. Give us a review. Whether it's good or bad, honestly, I'll take any at this point. Please, we could use any of that. So whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google Podcasts, wherever it is, Stitcher, that's another one, tune in. We're pretty much available anywhere. So thank you in advance for all of that. I hope whatever it is that you're going through, that you're able to get through it and that you're getting through it now, just remember that I believe in you and can't wait to have you back here next week on Pop Punk and Pizza. Ciao. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza. Hey, hello, it's nice to meet ya. Hey, come in and have a slice of pizza.